Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I'm your very pissed off bruiser Holden McNeely and I'm Brian! Fix your fucking game! And it is I, your unkillable demon king wizard. That's right. I can <laughs> click the mouse better than anyone has ever done anything. You know Thomas Edison and how he was pretty good at inventing things? I'm 50 times more talented and driven than him, but what I do is click the mouse. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Uh, Zed's dead. <laughs> hold in. It, we're, we're doing league, and I'm so scared. I'm so <laughs> no! scared. Don't be scared. Why? What What about the, the fan base of this game or um, anything about the, the myriad history? What about the decades-long history centered around one single video game leading to a billion-dollar industry with massive tournaments attended by filling out Madison Square Garden? Uh, they're so huge. Uh, what about that intimidates you, Jake? Uh, I re- it really boils down to the fact that I have spent the past week playing, reading about, listening to interviews with, and uh, watching highlight videos of this game, and I still don't understand how to play it open. <laughs> how is this? Po- it's like chess meets Pokemon meets World meets Warcraft meets like uh, just everything. And in order to play at even a basic competence level, you have to have a total understanding of every mechanical part. Otherwise, someone tells me to kill them, kill myself. Because I bought the wrong boots. <laughs> uh, and we have a special guest. Jake, do you want to introduce our lovely guest today? Oh, it is my pleasure to introduce a uh, buddy from the College Humor days, an incredibly talented cartoonist, a very funny guy, and uh, someone who uh, introduced me, uh, or at least tried to get uh, the entire organization kicking and screaming into acknowledging how popular League was. He's the creator of AU Comics and Real Life D&D Stories Comics. Uh, Andy Stewart, how you doing? I'm I'm doing okay. It's just a little traumatic to be thinking about League again. <laughs> and that's the thing. And then I tried to talk to people like you about it, and you literally tell me don't play it. I remember I was I did the study session for this every Sunday. We do the study session over on our Patreon Discord through Patreon Wizard Brew on Patreon.com. Uh, and I was like, okay. After we're done here, because I like got set up with an account and whatever, and we like. 
watched some highlights and I like did the tutorials. So I was like, so after I leave here today, what should I do next in terms of like getting in this game? And everyone said, delete it. Do not play it. Do not get near it. It is. <laughs> and I'm just, and I will say that is the number one thing that keeps me from wanting to play it is being called a slur by a child uh, in the middle of a yeah. Wednesday. I just don't want to feel that in my life uh, at this current juncture. So it's hard for me to be motivated to play a single game of of lol yeah this is a little bit of a tangent but like i i have uh, <laughs> i have dealt with with acknowledging that the people who are insulting me must be like 12 because uh-huh. and, and if you have the plausible deniability in league of legends at least to uh to be able to think that maybe they're not you don't know because you can't hear them you can't see them but i've been playing in chess tournaments lately and getting like dunked on by like 10 year olds <laughs> It's just, it's, it's so, it's as bad as you imagine it is. It's like the ego death of doing mushrooms times a hundred. It's not myself anymore. I love that uh, comparison. That is amazing. All right. So we usually start with the gush, uh, Mm -hmm. what we call it, our history with the product, right? And I think for me, honestly, this has been a really nice issue. I was saying to them right before we started, I've learned enough about how this game works so that I can finally actually watch some gameplay or watch a tournament and and have some basic sense of what's going on. Hold in, I'm g- immediately going to call bullshit on. You there is no way you look at a team fight in a modern tournament level game and have any understanding of what just happened. The hype of the announcers help. I mean, look, (laughs) I'm a kid who was not an athlete and was not super into sports growing up. So I'm very familiar with what it's like to watch, let's say, a football game or something of the like and have just enough to go on to be as entertained as possible, especially if there are beer and chicken wings involved, right? So it's like, and yes, LOL feels a little bit more... a a lot more complicated than that. But on the basic level of like, why killing that giant snake monster in the jungle mean what that means when it happens. You know what I mean? Like I get that, right? I get the basic progression of a game, right? Do I know what any of the items do? Not really, but I understand that, you know, you're two teams facing off. There's three different lanes. There's five different heroes. There's support. There's, you know, the top lane, mid lane, bottom lane uh, the, uh, players. Um, usually the the two start at the bottom. Then there's one and one. And then there's somebody uh, called a jungler in the jungle, which is all the space in between those three lanes, right? Mm-hmm. And all those people are essentially doing what they can to become powerful enough to get to the other side of the map and destroy the other uh, uh, team's nexus, the other team's big funky podium thing that gives you the <laughs> victory sign, uh, sign, right? That's enough for me to watch, especially when you have high, uh, uh, you know, when you have announcers going, Pita kill! Pita kill! And, and so that, you're watching that, the Korean stream. That, yeah, right? That, of course, always. Yeah. That informs In that's English, enough. all we get is a Wait, so- quadra kill! You spent, spent the month learning Korean. Yeah. <laughs> that is enough for me to go on to like get hype and enjoy. Like, I yeah. feel like I would, I would actually en- like to go to a live event. It would be a miserable experience without the shoutcasters. Like, it would be 
be yeah. unwatchable for sure. Right. But. So, but that's, I mean, that's kind of my gush. I mean, I, 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 I got into the dirty details on, on the gameplay a little bit. Like I said, still haven't played a game, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, I understand league, but I got into enough of the details of it to get it to this point. And, uh, you know, and all I'll say with my gush is like Dota and league have always kind of just been something I've heard about. I listen to a lot of video game podcasts and I, you know, and then the other part that's undeniable as a person who streams on Twitch, the second you start getting involved in the whole Twitch world, you go to that browse tab and holy shit, what is this fucking League of Legends thing? It's always one of the highest viewed games uh, on the menu and every time you go into it it's just some dude like with a frown face like just sitting there just like click clacking around and he's got thousands of people watching him and you're like how is this possible what kind of god would allow this you know so it it beckons you to be uh, at least a little curious but that's about it Uh, Andy what's the deal what's your history with League (laughs) Is What's this your my, is this my gush? gush? This away. is your gush. I'm gush giving you the gush ball. It's really <laughs> gross and sticky, and it has a little eyeball on mm-hmm. it that's winking at you. Take the, the gush ball. Thanks. You everyone hates the gush ball. Take I, it. Do I have to hold it while I talk, or can I just yes. put it down? Or? In fact, if you don't pet it every once in a while, <laughs> it will attack you. Oh, so <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize how high fantasy this podcast was. I mean, I mean, well, it started out innocently enough. I. Uh, <laughs> I think I heard about it like a year after it came out, like 2010, a simpler time, uh, and got into it and immediately uh, stopped having fun pretty much day one. <laughs> uh, no, I used to, at the time, I was like living with a friend of mine because I was, you know, how long ago was that now? 12 years ago? Mm. Living with a friend. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he would make fun of me for how mad I would get at this game <laughs> 12 years ago. Like I, he, I had a milk crate that I was using as like an ottoman for my feet, <laughs> and I uh, I busted it because I like kicked it so hard <laughs> while I was pissed off at this game. So that that's kind of the that's a re- they use a the highly whole. resilient plastic yeah, for milk yeah. crates too. That must have been a very frustrating. So experience. wait, you're saying twelve years ago too? G, are you saying you got into it like kind of like around launch? I got into it in 2010, and it came out in 2009, okay. I believe. Yep, yep. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is correct. Yeah. You so are correct, I, got, I was, like, year two. Everybody, I mean, if you ask somebody who plays League, like, when they joined, they'll tell you what champion came out around the time <laughs> they joined. For me, it was brand. So whatever. Oh, gotcha. Whatever year that was. And then, uh, you know, all the nerds can, can figure that out. But I, uh, I played it on and off for years and years and years, just kind of passively hating it but like the dopamine loop is so good Mm. that you can't you can't get out and uh it did not really feel like you always feel like you're wasting your time like when you get done with a long Mm -hmm. game playing a game Mm -hmm. like that and then it felt i felt very uh vindicated when i got to college humor and like you know my boss andrew bridgman who uh jake knows uh came up to me and was like hey you play league of legends right and i'm like yeah He's like, okay, come with me to this meeting with, you know, millionaire Coke executives. <laughs> so <laughs> they dra- they dragged me into that meeting and they were like in the middle of desperately trying to get a contact with Coca-Cola to make League of Legends content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they just figured that they should have somebody who literally like has ever played the game ever in the room. So uh-huh. I think between me and Caldwell we were able to like pitch enough funny ideas that they signed on and uh, 
thus began my period of making Twitter content for Koki Sports. <laughs> mm-hmm. that was so at like, least you're able to you were able yeah. to apply it to something. And I love that you said, you know, after a lot of sessions, you felt like you were wasting your time. I have yeah. so felt that way on different occasions. And it's usually competitive. It's like because I played a lot of Overwatch and sometimes I'd walk away from that just being like, man, all I did was like lose. And I just feel like I could have. Enjoyed yeah. like a game with the plot or something a lot more. And and sometimes that happens with Street Fighter uh, as well, right? Where I'll just like get my ass whooped all afternoon and then just be like, God, what am I? And it did make it starts to make me wonder like what or, or, or think about analyze what is what is the gameplay experience, you know, for for me? Right. See, like what is what am yeah. I after here? That you know, do- that dopamine loop is tied into the uh, tied into the rating game for sure. Yeah. And like escaping that is yeah. is uh, difficult. <laughs> yes. It's interesting you mentioned dopamine because I feel like that is the secret ingredient that made League of Legends such a runaway success because from minute from second to second at any given point in the game you have to make a decision. You have to yeah. decide where you're going to go, you're going to uh have to choose what you're attacking, what you're not attacking, yeah. what items you're buying, what where you're placing your wards. Uh, when you face down against a champion, you have to decide like what abilities you're going to use. Are you going to back down? Like from just there is not a as soon as you are in the game, your brain is engaged. There is like literally no moment to yourself where you can just have an errant thought or think about bullshit that you don't want to think about or even just like watch a cutscene and just be like ah this is dumb the whole time from beginning to end even when your team is losing you are like locked in the game is basically your whole world and our brains are like hard tuned to toil (laughs) they are hard tuned to put effort in and see results for their decisions good or bad And so like every little monster you take to help take down in the jungle that gives you a buff, that's a little bit of dopamine. Every team fight that you manage Uh to get into and help at the last second is like a dopamine rush. Like it just constantly keeps your brain occupied in a way that very few other games can uh, on a level beyond just like the Twitch gameplay of a Call of Duty or the kind of slow kind of burn of a, a JRPG. It just locks you in and keeps you going. And there's so much of a ceiling in terms of skill and knowledge just from understanding the dynamics of every character, of every champion, knowing the terrain, knowing which buffs do what, knowing the difference between an ocean Drake and an infernal Drake, like all this shit. So like you're just never, ever going to stop on that perpetual toiling climb. And that's like the fact that this was created almost accidentally like piecemeal Mm. is kind of why it is so indecipherable jumping into it now, because it's this like it, this isn't a game that emerged like fully formed from Zeus's face as the perfect time destroyer. In fact, it's like extra obscure that it came from this mod, this improved mod from a different game. And then they decided to take, we're going to get into the whole history of how this game came to be. But, and then they were like, Hey, why don't we take that? I mean, the whole fucking concept, I didn't even realize this. It's kind of like with a uh, Daft Punk when we realized like, Oh, they were the first people to like put helmets. 
helmets on and like stand him with a giant LCD screen and like do it like that in a live format. The free to play model was born with, in a large way, this game, this one game. And they actually had to convince people that, you know, when they went to go pitch it, and we'll get into more deals of that as well, but that they, their initial pitch, people were like, what do you mean it's fucking free to play? There's no, no box cost? There's nothing right out the gate? Who the fuck's just going to give you bundles and bundles of, of hard-earned money to for, like, cosmetics? What are you, nuts? The, and the now, I mean, thing, it's... yeah They, they sold... You like back when I started, they still sold League of Legends in a box. Wow! Stores. You could buy you could buy it, and I think it came with cosmetics or game time. Like okay, time, a it little bit. With, it came with something. But okay, unless I'm like having some kind of like Mandela effect, like weird memory mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> I'm like ninety percent sure I saw them selling League of Legends in a box. Interesting. With a oh, they did. They absolutely. It. They absolutely yeah. did. I listened to an NPR interview with uh, the Riot founders. Uh, what are their names? I know their names. It's uh, Brandon and Mark. And uh, they uh-huh. talked about how they were desperate to get a physical physical release because they the idea of doing a triple A free to play downloadable game was incredibly new at the time. And so they're like, all right, we need to get something in a box so that investors and publishers like at least acknowledge our existence and uh, video game outlets will even review our thing. Because without a box like IGN and GameSpy and all these, right. you know, or, or God, were we still, you know, Game Informer magazine wouldn't yes. give them the time of day without something in a box. And all the reviews at the time were like, why is this in a box? I can download this game for free. This is a terrible value proposition. <laughs> yeah. I, and so you've seen it grow. I, that's crazy. You've been playing since 2010. How have you evolved with the game? When did you stop playing? As I believe you're on a full, uh, extended hiatus yeah. from League, it seems, talking to you. So what, I mean, what was that? How did that go? And, and how did it feel uh, to see, you know, this thing become this massive uh, phenomenon? You know, it's like a, a relationship that you have where, you know, between serious relationships, you go back and, you know, you have the the person you hook up with so that you know and then you know you get carried away and you get too involved and then you're like i remember why this didn't work out before <laughs> and you break up again and go you know see other people but they're always you know they're always there they're part of your life story that's street and fighter for that. me in my mind's eye andy you are like getting onto a steamship on a foggy night in black yeah. and white and uh there's a nine-tailed fox lady who's just like standing <laughs> on the pier being like it could never have been. <laughs> I don't think I could land Ari. <laughs> it's just too hot for me. All right, fine. It's Dr. Mundo. Happy. <laughs> he's, he's got some, like, Vara appeal. He does. I, I, they're all kind of sexy. That's half. Yeah. That's part of their business strategy. Yeah, and increasingly so over the years. Do you still watch Worlds? Do you do, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff? Or you, you've just fully walked away from it at this, this point? This is the most that I've been walked away from it since I started, I think, and that I don't even watch competitive games anymore. Like, okay. even if I wasn't playing actively, I would always keep up with the competitive scene. And it, it feels like it is downtrending now. But yeah. like, most of most of my relationship with League, it was getting increasingly popular every single year. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know that the world championships of 
league, mm-hmm. I think still have more viewers than like the NBA finals. Like it's just right. It's insane. Insanely and, popular. Yeah. You know, it hit its peak in 2019. And then I was like, oh, I wonder why it hit its peak in 2019. Well, then, of course, pandemic hit. And I think that actually uh, slowed it down a little bit. And now it's it hasn't since quite gotten back to that point. But um, before we get into the dirty details, I did have one more question for you. Uh, and that is just, did you ever give a fuck about Dota or be over in that camp? Or was it all was was your game League? I came into it with League. And then okay. like, the I, I think the only other moment that I really enjoyed was Heroes of the Storm. And it okay. was just because it it was so slow compared to League that it was very relaxing to play. I heard that mm-hmm. one's a little bit more accessible, <laughs> and even more so than that, yeah. actually, is the more recent uh, Pokemon MOBA. What was, what was yeah. the name of that Evolve. one? Evolve. Oh, Unite. Pokemon Unite. Pokemon Unite, which apparently that is actually a pretty decent place to start if you're yeah. like, oh, I want to try this, but I don't want yeah. to get screamed at. Like, uh, more, I think <laughs> more than any other... More than any other MOBA league is like league skill expression is a lot about mechanics and like Twitch gameplay and the speed at which you yeah. can do things. Yeah. And, uh, it's like less, it's not less overall like meta strategy, but like Dota is like you just have to know what's happening on the map everywhere all the time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Know what the game plan is. But league, you can just win by being so much better mechanically than your opponents that. The, the fact that you don't know what the fuck you're doing doesn't matter. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh my god, it was one of my favorite. We were watching Tyler one uh, rage uh, highlights. <clears throat> my favorite moment from that is he's going, "Riot, fix your fucking game," but then he goes, "I'm addicted." <laughs> it, so, it just made That's me it. laugh so That's hard. It. That's totally it. It's just like he's screaming about his his love of the game. You can literally do anger. an entire episode about Tyler one. We could, yeah, for sure. He's, a, he's yeah, he's a yeah, we'll definitely t- we'll definitely talk about him a little bit more. But either way, let's get into it. League of Legends is a multiplayer online battle arena, also referred to as a MOBA. It is a video game developed and published by Riot Games, first released in 2009. It is free to play and monetized via character customization. It's also available on both Windows and Mac, and it's all a little too easy to download, uh, as I saw uh, uh, last Sunday. The games consist of two teams, five players each battling in PvP combat. We already went over that, but the game is generally seen as the world's largest esport with its annual League of Legends World Championships, which has been viewed by over 100 million folks back in its peak year in 2019. Right off the bat, this is something that I got to get off my chest is you've rattled off MOBA like it is a perfectly descriptive and like normal thing right. to describe the whatever genre this thing is. But like online battle arena could apply to like literally yeah, anything, any game that has online capability. Uh, we still call like, hey, can you hand me a tissue? No, we say Kleenex. Kleenex. Hey, can you hand me an adhesive bandage? No, we say Band-Aid. Hey, can you like copy this thing through photoelectric means? No, we say Xerox. But League of Legends was so fucking dominant that they got people to stop saying Dota-like and Dota-clone. <laughs> like, yeah. they literally changed the fucking genre they were in by their own design, which I find to be a massive cultural achievement and they replaced it with something that rhymes with Dota and doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like that is how <laughs> fucking baller this game is. I just I, props to them. That is just they something were, they, they were need. fighting. They were fighting for a while. Like I don't know like how deep dive you did on the history but like 
if I I didn't do any research coming into this episode, but at the time that I got into it, they were competing with Heroes of New Earth. They were competing with Dota still, and I know that they bought the fan site, like the number one fan site for either Heroes of New Earth or Dota. I don't remember which, and just closed it. <laughs> they just bought it and just deleted it, and wow. that was like they were fucking vicious. So. Yeah, I mean that, that that makes sense because this is led by two people who were yes passionate about games, but they weren't game devs at heart. They were businessmen at heart. The founders of Riot Games first met at the University of Southern California as they were uh, both studying business. They are Brandon Beck, also known as Rise, and Mark Merrill, uh, also known as Trendemir. They end up moving in together in an apartment in West Hollywood uh, after uh, becoming friends in college. And Beck is there working as a management consultant. Merrill is in business management. And they're both not uh, business-wise connected to video games just yet, but they're both hanging out together and playing a lot of video games as it was their hobby. And uh, Meryl said, we would have back-to-back gaming nights at our apartment. That's the thing we love to do every single moment we ever could possibly do it. However, they did not see games as a career at first. Uh, He also said, we weren't engineers or designers, so we didn't see a career path on the development side that we thought would be sort of attractive for both of us. People with skill sets like ours would typically be more relevant on the publishing side. That's one of the reasons we didn't go into games right after school. But they do end up applying their skills as advisors to a company working on an MMO Mm. in order to help it raise money, and this gives them great insights into the business of gaming and how shitty and mean it could be. (laughs) Meryl said, you learned you could be at the right place at the right time with a great idea, but if you can't execute, it doesn't matter. And what ended up happening was the company struggled to build a game that was great because of the lack of mature tech. And this got them thinking about the future of games a lot. And at the same time, it's around this time, they caught wind of a super super popular mod for a game called Warcraft 3, Defense of the Ancients, Dota, Blizzard's uh, Warcraft 3 is Blizzard's follow-up to the super popular real-time strategy game StarCraft. It was released in 2002. We definitely talked about it on our World of Warcraft episodes. Definitely, you can get more info on that there. It included a world editor, which allowed players to create custom scenarios or maps to be played online. Warcraft 3 was also featured hero units that leveled up and could equip items to buff them. So user Kyle Summer, also known uh, uh, as Yule, uh, short for Yulajai, uh, used these assets to create a mod for the game called Dawn of the Ancients in 2003. This game also took influence from a mod for StarCraft that was called Aeon of Strife. I'd never heard of Aeon of Strife before. This featured three lanes protected by defense towers and a hero unit making their way through. However, there were no special abilities involved, uh, yet there were weapon and armor upgrades purchased with gold. Uh, because that is a big part of this that I don't know if we've talked enough about the progress of the hero characters, how you're starting at one one spot, and a lot of what you're doing to enable to you to win is is you know killing uh, trash mobs and things like that, kid, and and taking out different monsters on the map or or other player characters in order to level up, buy items, gain experience, get more abilities, and um, that the the intricacy of that gets pretty wild. It's we talk about the game length, but the fact is, is that that amount of power scaling, that feeling of progression is something that in uh, RPGs takes like hours and hours, if not months of playtime 
to start from like killing level one slimes with a dagger to, you know, dropping right. meteors on gods. Killing and God. Yeah. <laughs> and we, even, you know, within a 40 minute time frame of a League of Legends game, you do start as this like pitiful thing that's just basically just tapping low level minions or just little sad pea shooter bolts of magic at stuff. And by the end, you are comboing you're like doing your ultimates you do feel this rush of capability and power as you like take out that guy that was giving you trouble in the top lane now you can like wipe him out without a lot of uh without even sweating because you were like building and buffing your character correctly that's another design lever too that you can that turns into skill progression is understanding at what points in the game the character you're playing is powerful and like Ah. understanding i've got an early game character i need to get ahead now or, you know, I've got a late game character. I can sit here and as long as I survive, I'm going to pop off in a late game. Mm, yeah. Thing, so. yeah. I yeah. made that mistake several times trying to play where like I had no bearing of like what any champion was like or like how the person I was randomly matched with was skilled. So like one game I would walk in with like brand and just like dominate the mid lane and feel like a king. And then another game I'd be shoved into top and I just like get my ass whooped by Nasus without even a second thought. Yeah, I, I hate when I'm getting bottomed and then I have to start topping and I just, you know, it, it gets messy. It gets so messy, Jake. But I have a lot of fun down in the jungle, if you know what I mean. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. I gotta shave those pubes. Wait, what are we talking about? Anyways, Yule, uh, back to Yule, he ends up stepping away from the mod pretty early on and it ends up changing hands, various modders, all getting in there, making different improvements, evolving the map. This is this really organic thing, this thing that happened over time. We were we were kind of touching on earlier. We were talking about the storied history of all this. One of those modders was Steve Feek, Ginsu, like Ginsu Blade. He did stuff like add a recipe system for items that established weapon scaling, as yeah. well as uh, creating the boss character, Roshan. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as mcdonald's transforms into the anime world of wickdonald's the greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili wickdonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries and sprite ultra powerful unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at wickdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba go and participate in mcdonald's for a limited time while supplies last it's really clever in a way because, like, you know, you level up in World of Warcraft or something, or not World of Warcraft, but there's a lot of games where you level up and you just, like, click a button to choose which stats you want to raise. Uh-huh. And they've, they've hidden it behind this veneer of items, but really all you're doing is choosing how your character progresses. It's not, uh-huh. your character doesn't, the item doesn't go on your character. You don't wield the weapons that you buy. It's entirely meaningless cosmetic, like, facade for, Stat scaling. Yeah. It's, it's uh-huh. interesting. 
I didn't know it originated with League. I thought it came from Dota. Oh, no, it is. But well, we're talking about Dota oh, right now, Dota. for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he started out with Feek. I bring up Feek because he's going to come back into play at Riot in a little bit. Uh, and another important modder, a lot of people know it if, you, if you're familiar with Dota, is Icefrog. Uh, Icefrog made big changes to create more complexity and innovative gameplay and has been kind of the, I feel like the more modern, um, I don't know if he's still in the game. I feel like I'm, he might have stepped away at this point, but he's been kind of one of the more modern forefathers uh, on Dota. Dota. And so it's just this thing that's just evolving, getting more ironed out, becoming more and more like the thing we know when we hear the phrase MOBA. Uh, and and it's all this stuff is going to influence the shit out of these two guys uh, who go on to found Riot. Uh, these two friends, they're creating a full on game there or they have this idea to create a full on game that was its own thing it's not a mod so uh, by the way you're getting Warcraft 3 then you have to download the mod then you have to make the mod work it is you know something sure people have done plenty of times before but there's just these extra points of entry <laughs> on this already obscure thing that, that that just is another step to to keep new players from getting involved so they're like what if we wiped all that away we create a pure, just multiplayer game. No, no single player mode. Make it its own thing, and uh, and just and just make it so that you know you can just go and download it uh, pure. And uh, another thing that drew them to the MOBA model was that they could create one game and focus on it for years as a service, mm -hmm. which would be free to get into and then entice the player over several years to keep spending money on it. And this concept is going to is this. Now it seems insane to say games as a service or free to play is this novel concept, but this is actually really the thing that they they really clicked into um, and were the pioneers of uh, the yeah over at Riot. In the interview, uh, in the NPR interview that I listened to, which was kind of more of a like business titan kind of thing, they explained Merrill. Yeah, yeah, between uh, yeah with Merrill and Ryan, um, uh, the their core thing was they knew that this game, this this Dota style game was very engaging, very addicting and very like had massive potential for growth and maintaining and like being a hit because they knew the amount of passion it inspired from this fan community that like there was money to be had if they just cut out the, you know, yeah, like you said, holding cut out the middleman of releasing a different game, putting it in a box, distributing it, waiting for the fans to start creating their own thing and like have like just just go from A to D and have this incredibly engaging, mature kind of game. But they knew intrinsically that the barrier to entry would be steep, that it would be too complicated. It would be an unknown variable for a lot of people. And so they were like, the only way we can get this into people's hands is to make it free. That's the only way we'll even att get, attempt people to even give this a second look. Is yeah, if it's free if there's to try. No, that makes so much sense. If there's no plot, really, mm -hmm. there's no there's no single player. There's no experience on its own. And and games at that time felt they all needed to have that. Yeah. You know, and 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 honestly, I think it wasn't until I think Overwatch was the first game that I played that was just like a, only a multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. 
with zero attempt at any kind of single player experience that was just, you know, I almost felt crazy spin. And I remember and at the time I was like, it. yeah, yeah, I, could, I, I, I didn't think about believe, how, how bizarre yeah, that is. Right. I, I was like, wow, I can't believe yeah. I'm spending this much money on something that I can't play unless I'm, you know, dealing with strangers online. That, that, that step feels a little challenging, which is why a free to play model Again, works really well. So these guys go on to create Riot Games in 2006 with the headquarters located in an old machine shop above an overpass in Santa Monica. Above an overpass? Uh, yeah, but, or, uh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah, apparently above an overpass. I don't know. I guess it's a tall building. I guess it's fine. Then they set about hiring folks, including original Dota devs such as Steve Feek, uh, Ginsu, who was working at a local Best Buy's Geek Squad at the time, by the way. <laughs> Amazing. Right? They also hosted a local uh, Dota tournament at uh, the University of Southern California in order to farm for employees. And that's how they found Jeff Jew, who ended up teaching most of the entrants uh, who showed up how to play the game in the first place. Jew ended up uh, being being one of their first paid interns, raking in $11 an hour. And again, that just goes to show how obscure this was at the time. Most of the guys who showed up to this thing had barely any idea how to play it. Um, that's kind of the world we're in to a tournament, uh, mind you. Ju said uh, this about his first impressions of the office. The walls were bare and it was really dark, especially in the back. When I started, there was basically no game. All they had was a flat plane with little skeletons running from one side to the other. Also, most of the folks there had basically no actual professional experience. Ju said, learning how to be collaborative and work together uh, and the like, that was all new to everybody there, which was pretty crazy. So it's this ragtag tale, this thing that doesn't even feels like it shouldn't have worked at all based on the, the general history. And the interesting thing is like, the people who were working there even did not like this game at first. <laughs> it was originally referred to as Onslaught. It started with a huge design document. It focused on creating a lot of new playable characters. And it took about four months for the team to put together a working prototype which they took to the 2007 Game Developers Conference to show uh, and fish for potential investors. And this does not go great for them. According to Merrill, we originally just wanted to be a game developer, but then when we talked to publishers at the time, they were like, wait, you're not going to have single-player gameplay and you want the game to be free and virtual? What are you talking about? We realized that we can't give them the keys to the kingdom and have them publish it because we'd fail. This game, this experience, this whole concept needs to have this vertically integrated experience where publishing and development are completely aligned. So then what that means is that we had to go raise venture money, which we thought was unlikely and we were terrified. But at least they're business savvy. So they go around after that scrounging up about $1.5 million from various family and angel investors. And during this time, they're actually dealing with a lot of internal strife because the initial debate between the team was uh, whether or not to create a full-on Dota clone or how to or whether or not to create something that innovated on what Dota was already doing and and create new inroads and things. They end up losing like four of their core team members and uh this leads to a big old restart on the development. I actually I think it was like they caught one of their developers taking meetings with other publishers to <laughs> like j- jump ship and make the game they wanted to make instead of what the, uh, the original wow. founders were like trying for. I wonder if any of them like went and worked on Heroes of New Earth or something. I bet. Like something else that competed directly with it. Mm. In the yeah, I, I think they even referenced, I don't know if I pulled the quote on that, but they even reference 
how there was another uh, game at the time that they found out about that those defectors were then working on. Yeah, I'm, I'm they were they they were like we have to get was Heroes of New Earth um uh not free to play? It was I believe it was a free to play MOBA. Okay, because sure. the one they referred to was not free to play, and that's how they beat them out. Mm. They mm. say that they made it, uh, they gave it a box price, and that's what fucked the 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 other guys, and what what gave them the the actual like extra in was that that was that free to play model. Uh, yeah, it was re released as free to play. It says so. It came uh, out not free to play. And then I think it was here as the last then, yeah. vest, yeah. the last bastion of the damned. When your game failing game is like, never mind, it's free. Doesn't uh, isn't that a great don't don't you feel confident now that this thing that we valued highly is free? Isn't that great? Yeah, it was totally Heroes of New Earth. I have it a little further down here. Uh, Jeff Jew said, all of those players flipped and they came to League of Legends because we were free to play still. It was crazy. We never expected that. So they had this early out of the gate because of Heroes of New Earth proof of concept of their free to play model. Mm. They immediately were like, oh, we, figured, we, we cracked it. We beat these guys out because they shouldn't have beaten them out. They had way more resources. They had way more professional backing, um, a lot more industry veterans working on that game. And there was no reason for them to uh, win against them. Uh, and the, the only thing that did it was the free to play. So, uh, yeah, so the big restart on the development uh, happens in 2008. Onslaught is renamed to League of Legends Clash of, Fla- of Fates. They, of course, end up getting rid of Clash of Fates. Also, do Clash of Fates is such a fucking shitty mobile game. Well, League of Legends thing. is literally League of Legends Clash of Fates sounds like every shitty like <laughs> yeah. iOS well, release. Like they're they're called that because of League of Legends. I yeah, think. yeah. Like that that they base those titles on that. But no, they the lore for years was awful, which is like. <laughs> What makes it so funny that now that is their biggest asset is the world and the characters that they've created. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That, that's going to survive a lot longer than the game. Mm. Totally. Thanks, then. And thanks. To, I was I really enjoyed the Netflix show and thanks to stuff like that and some more modern eff- uh, recent efforts. Yeah, that's actually yeah. like blowing the doors open on the universe they yeah. created. I see. A, I see a lot of people say I love everything about League of Legends except for this. <laughs> Jeff Ju said the game really sucked for a long time. <laughs> I love that. Nobody quote. at Riot wanted to play the game because it was really bad. <laughs> but it was uh, because it was really bad, but they forced us to. But as they continued to improve upon it and iterate on their initial design, after about six months, the playtesters and interns started playing it every day. And not because the powers that be at Riot were forcing them to, because they were actually getting super into it. And then they realized, like, oh, we might we might actually have something here. So after a few more months and another $7 million in funds raised, League of Legends is formally announced in October of 2008, and it goes into closed beta in April of 2009. The original roster consisted of 40 champions. Currently, by the way, I believe there are about 161. Uh, There was quite the crunch to get to this number. They actually had to hire a bunch of extra interns uh, in the final stretch to get their character count from 20 to 40 champions. It was was uh, a race against the clock because uh, I believe the way their investors, the VC people, had set it up was they were only getting half the money for development and the second half of the money wouldn't kick in until they had a successful beta with a thousand concurrent players. Mm. And they had to get it out the door before StarCraft II came out 
because StarCraft II was also going to have its own build your own game system. So who knows if the next big thing would have like caught fire before they were even past the starting line. I didn't know that it came out at the same time as StarCraft II. It's incredible that it succeeded. Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, Honestly. The, the first beta was with a thousand Philippine area gamers that like they knew if they s- did a launch in the English world, it would hit the internet if it sucked or broke real fast, which is a problem <laughs> that many beta tests now go through when they're trying to rush out a multiplayer game uh and they managed to successfully host over a thousand people they poured champagne in the offices i think it was they said it was 3 a.m at the riot offices when they were like playing watching the servers from the philippines and uh it's just i can't believe like it's such an un like a that they're these business guys that went with a like dot-com startup business plan and, you mm-hmm. know, willingly gave away massive amounts of their equity and like had were beholden to these uh, suits and investors that normally they wouldn't be, you know, a, a true game auteur would like rather be caught dead, you know, uh, yeah. kind of yielding to until they were bought out by a publisher and then had to yield to a publisher. I, I wonder with the success, what like what mixture it is of their particular skill sets and like not having the baggage of an established game developer like uh-huh. these two things mix uh-huh. like because they they're both not beholden to the proven business models that have already happened and they have like this very different approach where they like you know people who want to make games for a living in our game developers i think tend to be uh, very obsessed with making the game itself very good. Mm-hmm. And these guys are like, the game needs to be playable and fun. Yeah, yeah. But that's not the most important thing. It needs to succeed. That's yeah. the most important thing. Yeah, and it and, and also just the concept that we're not going to move on to the next game when we're done. We're going to yeah. really, we're just going to focus on this one game. That's incredible. Yeah, that, that was actually the biggest kind of mind blower besides the free-to-play model, I think, for, for a lot of people looking at what they were doing. It was like, you're not going to like make us... Uh, at least a sequel in a couple of years like no we're just you know and now we see so many attempts at like Marvel's Capcom uh, Infinite or whatever and like uh, all, all those kinds of things have popped up over the last few years of like no no, no it's the this is the forever game this is the only game you need you know we have a decade of GTA 5 mm. ra- uh, in other words and, and all this kind of stuff and that was just not the case when they were doing this and that's what made them such huge innovators and what uh, had them earning something like $1.29 million in revenue in 2009, which jumps to $17.25 million in 2010 and $85 million by 2011. Uh, and also that year, Chinese gaming monster company Tencent Holdings buys the, out the 97% of the company for $400 million. They're rich! <laughs> They're rich, Jake! So, uh, there's so much I want to talk about because it's like this culture of the game, everything... It, you know, is it down to Brandon Beck and Mark Merrill who, you mm-hmm. know, will acknowledge that they were coming in at the right time and the right place for when the gaming audience was like ready to do a download only game and to do a multiplayer game without a single player campaign and like had enough of a uh, experience with uh, top down uh, strategy games to like just strike while the iron was hot. Uh, another thing they point to is, you know, this was the 2000s. Internet culture was exploding, especially internet games culture. And Riot was 
right there on the front lines being like, we will listen to our online communities. We will have a Reddit. We will, you know, this is for gamers by gamers. We will be responsive and communicative. We don't have the uh, clout of the big publishers to just like issue edicts from on high. Uh, This game's success is your success. You're part of our community. You're helping us succeed when you uh, introduce friends to your game. We'll give uh, incentives to introduce new accounts to the game. It's, uh, hey, it's free. Don't you like free? Like, we're on your side. And, uh, you know, the the their initial staff was like a lot of interns that were just given massive amounts of responsibilities beyond their pay grade because the gaming audience was so focused and impassioned about this uh, art form that they were willing to, to kind of make those sacrifices for this relatively new company. And uh, when we get to kind of the uh, later revelations about Riot Games, it's, you know, this is a story we hear a lot of times that like the weird obsessive energy of young men in their 20s who just live for games creates untold innovation, uh, untold amounts of dedication and and work and just like drive and just new uh, ideas but at a massive cost. And so what happens when that incredibly just gnarly Akira monster of passion uh, gets like the big time gets the, you know, it's not actually set up to be a respectful and well-run corporate entity. Uh, You know, we talk about a lot of these classic games that blew up and how it was almost like you know, just a bunch of college dudes that were like running a frat house that happened to, you know, we talk about id software. We talk about bullfrog. We talk about so many studios that were based in this, just like for the gamers by the gamers, but also that saves us a lot on labor costs because we're counting on your passion, let alone your job experience. And, you know, it's this kind of chaotic, exciting place until someone from outside that culture actually steps in. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is a den of monsters. <laughs> yeah. Succeeding too much too early yeah. is uh, Kayla's oldest time for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, and and I, you know, I definitely have a lot to say with the, yeah, the culture uh, of, of Riot itself. Um you know that we had that 2018 Kotaku article uh, titled "Inside the Culture of Sexism at Riot Games." Um, here's essentially an excerpt. Over the course of several months, Kotaku has spoken to 28 current and former Riot employees. Some of those employees spoke on the record. Most spoke anonymously because they feared for the future careers in games industry and were concerned that League of Legends' passionate fan base would retaliate against them for speaking no. out. Many no. of those many of those sources painted a picture of Riot as a place where women are treated unfairly, where the company's culture puts female employees at a disadvantage. Other current employees speaking on the record disputed the account with some of the top female employees telling Kotaku they had not personally experienced gender discrimination or riot. But it just seems that, you know, the whole the whole approach Riot had, which is is in a way pure in intention, they're like, we want to hire gamers to work on this game. We want to hire only people who are very passionate about, and even maybe more specifically, this kind of game. And if those people happen to be willing to work till 4 a.m. for a week yes. straight without any overtime pay, I guess that's just a happy accident. They're just passionate people. But at the same time, if you look at the majority of people who play League of Legends, and then you also look at the behavioral stuff going on with that majority of people, 
you might just end up hiring a bunch of dickheads <laughs> to work at your company accidentally. And I think then they're kind of trying to walk it back. After uh, It seems that conveniently, as uh, Riot found out that Kotaku was working on this article... Overnight, there was all of a sudden a uh, diversity and inclusion page mm. on the company website, and um, they but they have started to be ma- making issue uh, efforts to fix these issues. But it's just a lot. It's essentially apparently to work there. It's a lot of bro culture. It's a lot of women not getting you know the same opportunities, even though they've been at the company for just as long. Or you know, there was one example of a woman who uh, pitched an idea in a group meeting and. Um, it was immediately shut down and then she went and you know had a male colleague of hers she was like can you make the same pitch at next week's meeting and he went in and pitched it and they were like wow that's amazing good job Chet everyone's like are we all named Chet and he's like yeah we're all named Chet how did that happen well I'm glad you know it's 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 Riot alone and their and their very their upstart culture that really is responsible for this and we've not heard similar stories from more established publishers like Right. Rockstar Games and Activision Blizzard. Oh wait, that's what I was gonna say. Is oh, it's wait. like it is just it's just a caricature of like what you see in every environment in business for sure. Yeah, but yeah, it's and just I mean, like pushed to an extreme by the very specific subculture they're hiring from. But it, but it is the thing I even knew. Of, uh, I feel like I'd I heard about League of Legends players even more so than almost even like Dota or uh, uh, other other competitive online video games. Uh, a recent study published on by PCGamer.com revealed that seventy nine percent of of League of Legends players say they were harassed after a match ended, according to a community survey. I'm actually surprised that number's not higher. To be quite honest with you. And 32% of respondents on the survey who identify as female said they were victims of sexual harassment. The most toxic class, I think I mentioned this before, but I I love this. This is my favorite fact about the whole thing. The most toxic class is said to be assassins who play the middle lane. Uh, And 82% of men who play assassins in this way are likely to be single, according to the study. Uh, Andy, can you give us a little insight in on what the deal is with the assassin mid laner? First of all, to all your listeners, I am not an assassin player. <laughs> I don't support assassin players. But I have you been laid? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is something about like they. Gosh, I I couldn't even begin to break down the psychology, but I'm gonna try. Yes, <laughs> the way that like the way that assassins are skill expressed, it's like very razor's edge. Like you you go in, your adrenaline is pumping. You either it's very feast or fan. Mm. You succeed fabulously or you fail horribly, mm. and your emotions are extremely tied to that. And these critical like your your game, your entire. 40 minute experience is decided in the space of five seconds. A lot of the times you, and is it very like aggressive, like DPS kind of, it's extremely aggressive. That's the, yeah, that's the whole idea of the assassin is it's like the person who like goes in and takes out the critical targets at great risk to themselves. And then generally has a toolkit where they can escape after that, but you have to be, you know, good at playing to, to do that or accept the cost of trading your life for this other person. So there's a little yeah, bit of yeah, yeah. to it, but like people definitely, I think different mindsets of people are drawn to different gameplay styles. And it does not surprise me at all that that kind of feast or famine, high skill expression gameplay attracts very toxic players who uh-huh. tie their egos up in how good they are at the game, which I think is a huge part of it is like, 
people tie like they they wrap their identity and their ego up in their ability to play this game. And I think that's at the core of the rage that most players feel is they feel like they feel like they are a lesser human being when they do badly, and so they need to project like I lost because my team sucked. I lost because uh-huh. all of these factors that are beyond my control. I was the good one. Everybody else sucked. Mm-hmm. And that like that egoism is uh, is is just baked into the mindset. It makes a ton. Just the way people operate, uh, you know, in a high stress situation, your cortisol goes up, your adrenaline goes up. There's like a whole mess of. There's a reason why it's called fight or flight when you're in like a uh-huh. situation of that high stress. And those hormones don't go away after you die or after the nexus gets cut out. Your body is still mad. Your body <laughs> is still furious looking for a target. And so it'll come out at literally anybody within striking distance of you. I had a guy. send. So when, when you win a game <laughs> and somebody has been raging at you in the game, they will sometimes just send you a friend request. <laughs> and, and what they're doing, they want to continue yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have sometimes you accept it because it's funny and you like you get to argue back with them. Uh, in this particular case that I'm describing, I did not accept the friend request. <laughs> and this guy went on to Reddit and guessed correctly that my summoner name at the time was the same as my Reddit user account. <laughs> and then proceeded to just like comment below random things that I had posted insulting me. Amazing. Like he tracked me down on the internet to insult me. And then the best That's part of the story incredible. is that. I sent him a direct message and called him pathetic and told him to get a life. And I got banned from that. <laughs> uh-huh. He reported me. And I got banned for three days. That's so. so fucking funny. And yeah. And, and by the way, Andy, you seem like Baited a and pretty outplayed, man. Baited and outplayed. You seem like a pretty mild mannered dude. I mean, do, you know, I, it's just kind of funny to hear even you stomped a hole through a, a milk crate. Yes. <laughs> I've mellowed out over the years, uh-huh. I guess, but like I, you know, when I started playing, I was, uh, gosh, out like 12 years ago that I was, you know, 23 years old. Something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So like it's I, a little different. my brain wasn't even, my insurance was more expensive because, you know, undeveloped brain. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. And I will also say, like, What's funny with me, though, I'm a little I can I feel like I come off a little more fiery. I I mean, my reaction to getting really industry fighter five competitively um, 
is part of why I go to therapy now for anger management. <laughs> so it's like something just happens in these yeah. in these competitive scenes that is just even the best of us we 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 cannot help but yeah. fucking lose our minds. And it's one, so one of bizarre. My best gaming friends, it, he describes himself as an emotional gamer, <laughs> and it, it literally is just like he he owns it. It's part of his persona as a gamer, and he is. Again, I think it's because he wraps up his identity and his ego in being good at these games. And so the, the stakes involved are about his identity rather than about the game itself. Uh-huh. And so when he, you know, he's, he's flown into the most incredible rages that like, you know, he's screaming for 20 minutes after a match about the thing. But like, he plays with me because I am sort of the opposite. <laughs> and like, uh-huh. I, I'm like, not nearly as good. He's one of the best. Any game that he picks up, he's in the top 100 in, like, you know, the first week. So that's the kind of person he is, that he is good enough to justify how much he cares about it. I, Most people are not. I love the idea of you playing with this guy, and he's just like, fucking die! Fucking drop yeah. into a pit and kill yourself and impale yourself on a piece of fucking rebar! I will find your parents, and I will slap them as punishment for bringing such a fucking waste of space into existence! <laughs> and you're just, like, sitting there also with your gamer headset being like, ah, it's fine, we'll get him next time, champ. <laughs> yeah, 100%, that's how it is. Uh, we, played, um, we played New World when it came out, and like I, you know, the, the difference in the way that I approach games and he approaches games is I memed my way into being like, you know, a pseudo role playing God King of a town and like had, you know, hundreds of worshipers. And then he was my, my, uh, mm-hmm. my bodyguard. And whenever anybody insulted him, I would just call him to come kick their ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, uh, and he's good enough at video games broadly that he was the best PVP player on that server by a large margin. And like, nobody so could actually beat him when I called him to do that. So that was, you know, it's a great, there's a great give and take in our relationship. So that's an interesting <laughs> thing is, is League of Legends a uniquely toxic place or yeah. is it successful because people are toxic People want an outlet to let out that demon every once in a while. They want to feel that punch drunk insanity of being in a in a fight and then just like unloading on somebody and being a petulant asshole. And league part of the league's culture for a while was like, this is the place where you get to do that in a way. I, I don't think they want to be mad. Again, I think that it is like, you know, I, I think it's about the fact that like the the competitive environment and especially a rating ladder where you can like very um you know definitely measure your progress against other people and say you know I am a platinum player and you are right. a silver player and that makes me a better human being oh like your ego is tied to it but yeah. you're also so dependent on four other people to yeah. get that to get to that. Oh, is yeah. this, is this like the a, fabled ELO hell? Is this what an ELO <laughs> hell is? I didn't, I didn't get to what that was, but I saw it mentioned a lot. ELO <laughs> hell doesn't exist. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I mean, that's just pure Dunning-Kruger. That's like, <laughs> it, it is. It's like, I, um, I am only trapped in bronze because I have the uniquely bad luck compared to the millions of people who play this game to, be constantly paired with people who are so bad that my tremendously better skill does not allow me to escape the vortex of bronze. And then, like, part of the way that Riot shuts this down is they give very good players fresh accounts that are at the bottom of the ranking ladder, and then they say, okay, climb out, Mm. so we can see if our, 
ranking ladder actually stops you from climbing if you are gotcha. still able to do so. And it doesn't. Mm. The, yeah, the actually yeah. good players they can consistently are always... get back to their rank without right. issue every time. So is That's it like funny. a poker thing where like there is a lot out of your hands, but the skill set of an individual player is indisputable? Is that what it is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of it is, I mean, part of the skill set is understanding um, what you need to do if your team is not good compared to what you need to do if your team is good. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. if if you're trying to escape, like, a low elo environment, this is, like, more into the nitty-gritty of the game, but if you are playing in, you know, iron or bronze or something like that, you just play a solo split-push carry character that can win the game by itself. <laughs> and if you are actually, like, a platinum player, none of the people in your match, unless they are also smurfing, will be able to stop you. You'll get so far ahead, you'll kill anybody who comes to get you, and if they ever try to just win the game by ignoring you, you break down all their towers and win the game. Mm-hmm. We should so, say, uh, by the way, a Smurf yeah. account is like someone playing on a low rank account, yeah. but they're an incredibly seasoned, skilled player. Because winning so feels good, or you saw a mean strat on YouTube and you want to see it actually work. <laughs> There's yeah, the psychology of Smurfing. I don't, I don't get it, but it's also yeah. like, it's difficult for me to get mad at people who do it because I'm like, the only difference between us is that you are better at the game. So like when I run into a Smurf, I have to like take a deep breath and be like, Okay, they are not coming into this game with any inherent advantage, except that they are literally just better at the game. <laughs> they're not coming uh, in with better stats. They're right, better they don't items. have... They're just yeah. better at playing. If I had played above my level and, like, actually been able to beat them, I would have won this game. Mm. So, uh-huh. you know, that's me avoiding kicking the milk. <laughs> so, when, I, when I get absolutely dunked on by somebody who should not be in my <laughs> So attempts to remedy the behavior stuff, by the way, by Riot include them creating a team player behavior group led by scientists to try to dilute the tox- toxicity of the community. Meryl said the number one reason people would stop playing League of Legends was because other people can be jerks online. That's <laughs> not our fault, but that's our problem. Mm. I think many companies look took the approach of throwing up their hands and saying they can't do anything about it. We tried to take the approach of how do we foster a better community so another fix came in 2016 with their honor system this enabled players to give in-game props to those being helpful and sportsmanlike and this leads to rewards for both parties and a secondary ranking of their honor level leading to stuff like end of season rewards including special skins and stuff they incorporated this in overwatch as well it works to a certain degree but yeah, it's a very I've, small I've been through the whole, amount they mentioned the tribunal system in that no description. Oh, so no. the tribunal the tribunal system was where when players were reported, they would give the chat logs to other players who signed up to render judgment on whether they should be banned or not. Uh-huh. Which, obviously, like, you, you have to think about that for 20 seconds to realize it's going to be a shit show. Right. And literally, the, the best thing about it was, you know, the reason it was a good thing for them to do was because it was a lot of fun to go on Reddit and see all of the chat <laughs> logs that people were busting. Uh-huh. And, like, it's also fun to, like, Players tend to like go and complain and be like, I was banned for nothing. And then you post the chat log where they're, you know, saying, right. you know, Hitler did nothing wrong. And you're like, right. You know, that's that is that is a uniquely uh, that is. A, they stopped. Yeah, because yeah. like and then and then Jeff Jew goes, ah, like he just can't. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't help their reputation when their solution to uh, the reputation oh, for man. having toxic yeah. players was airing all every single instance of toxic playerness. So I, I got perma, I got perma banned once because uh-huh. I, so I got banned for calling somebody a bitch. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's good. I deserved that. It was like a three day ban and I came back and if you get banned again, 
quickly after being banned, they'll, they'll perma-ban you. So, like, a week into coming back from my ban for three days, I get into a game with a guy who will not stop dropping N-words, Ooh. like, constantly, like, hard R in, in the chat. And he's on my team, and I decide that I would rather just lose the game than allow this guy to win. So I am intentionally trolling him and telling him why and making us lose the game. And then they banned oh, me. man. Like, they reported me and League banned me, and I sent them an appeal and said... You know, this is what happened. Your honor, fellow gamers, I was doing street justice. <laughs> I, I did street justice, and I promise if you unban me and this happens again, I will do it again. <laughs> and, and they responded, they're like, they sent me like a very kind of boilerplate, but like a little bit sarcastic email back saying like, we don't believe the tone of your, of your appeal was genuine <laughs> or earnest. And so I was eventually That's like, funny. Months later, I like typed an actual one, and I was like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> and they, they okay, that's, that's nice. nice. So yeah. funny. Um, well, I we haven't gotten into the esports thing enough. I know we've been going on for a while, but I really wanted to break down the crazy, just insane evolution of this because again, they were pioneers of the free to play stuff. They were pioneers with the. Um, you know, with the uh, just focusing on one game for a game dev uh, and publisher. Uh, but uh, the esports thing also became huge. And we should also say, like, Twitch also kind of and and streaming games online became a thing very conveniently around the time they're trying to build out League of Legends. It was really, really perfect for them. In 2011, when they were already blowing up, uh, what, what I said something like 86 million, and they got bought out by Tencent, Riot ends up pushing into the territory of esports by hosting the first season of Champions, which uh, took place at DreamHack in Sweden. DreamHack started as a small group of kids in the basement of an elementary school in Sweden that ends up moving into the cafeteria in 1994. As it expanded, it eventually became the largest land party in the world with events being held twice a year focusing on game camp competitions uh, as well as an expo for new games coming out Enrique Martinez, a.k.a. X-Peak, uh, had this to say. I remember when it was first announced. It was 2010. At that time, there were no big tournaments or anything. Uh, and they suddenly announced this $100,000 tournament, $50,000 for the winner. That was huge because there was nothing like that before that. Maybe it looks ridiculous now, but at the time, it was crazy for me to think about winning that. The first uh, League of Legends championship had 1.6 million sets of eyes on it, which led to Riot hosting the next year's games themselves in Southern California. The timing, uh, again, very good. Twitch ends up you know, picking this up. Uh, I believe by this point they were streaming it. Um, and during this competition, though, they end up suffering a bunch of uh, internet issues. There was like an eight-hour delay, um, which must have been very frustrating for the two teams facing off. They kept getting their games fucked yeah. up, and they had to restart start their games over and over again that still happens like more than it should really uh, yeah there were there were also a few incidents of cheating because players could see the main monitor <laughs> which revealed what the other team was doing so you you're not able to see it's called like the fog of war you're not actually able to see what where the other team's at unless you get specific items and things that give you insights into what the other team is doing or, uh, around other parts of the map and that's like a huge part of the gameplay so they just had a giant they just didn't think that part through um so yeah i mean 
mean, even season two of this game with a ton, you know, millions, a million people watching and all this kind of stuff, they, it is like herky jerky. They had to figure out how to essentially just create their own separate from online um, server, I believe, for for just the tournaments in order to dial that in. Season three introduced the, the legend to the world, however, and that would be Faker. Uh, if you don't know anything, if you know anything about League, you know what's what's up with Faker. I spent a lot of time watching Faker highlights. Emily Rand, uh, an ESPN staff writer, said, this was the debut season for Lee Faker Sanghyuk, near universally accepted as the best league player of all time. The so-called, my favorite, I think my favorite nickname for any anyone ever, the Unkillable Demon King. <laughs> which is hilarious if you watch an interview with him. I think we all He's agree, his, Michael yeah. Jordan is the faker of basketball. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan is the Unkillable Demon King of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. A classic highlight, by the way, if you want to look up like a faker moment, I mean, there's a lot of YouTube highlight clips, but faker outplaying mid laner Ryu with both, uh, both of them playing the character Zed. Um, it's a very similar, it reminds me a lot of the Daigo J Wong Ken Chun-Li battle. He he is, um, I mean, Zed is a, is a mid lane assassin. That's the kind of character that, um, especially he does play other things, but he specializes in those extremely high skill cap, high skill expression kinds of characters. And like the fact that he, you know, has the reputation he has is because the, like the, the style points that you have when you pull off a good play uh, with that kind of character is like, unlike anything else that Mm. you can do in League of Legends and what attracts those most toxic players toward Uh that kind of role. So like the yeah the, the the social cachet of being good at making those kinds of plays is huge yeah, and, you know, I've watched this clip over and over again trying to figure out how he did what he did. He's way down on HP. Uh, they're both playing the same character. Zed's deal is that he can teleport, and he just does this, like, sleight-of-hand crazy nonsense uh, blipping around the screen. It happens really quick. If you blink, you'll miss it. And he ends up just eliminating this other guy who had, like, almost a full health bar it's it's just bizarre it's just insane to like look at and then everyone's just ah, ah, which is always fun clip, as well I know the clip you're talking about yeah it's mm-hmm. really good. it's so yeah. weird to, like again i can i'm barely scratched the surface this week and in my head it should just be yeah green health bar red health bar exact same damage output exact same abilities it should just be right. simple math and yet there is still this uh this nuance yeah, which i yeah. find it is the the visual processing skill like i'm i am not a twitch gamer at all i'm really bad at like anything where i have to like very my reaction time is not on par with the people who are at the top so uh-huh. uh just like they know every single tool that they have and like without even thinking they know the exact order to use them and they can like predict what the other mm-hmm. guy is going to do because they know their entire skill set and it's like the the calculus that happens without even the time, like the, how quickly the calculus happens is insane. managing. Like it, yeah. it, it is genuinely incredible what they can do. That's what that Zed highlight feels like is that he just knew exactly where that other person was going to position themselves yeah. every millisecond that, that they did it. And it's especially impressive because this character can teleport around. And so he just perfectly predicts exactly where he is going to appear in this, in this really quick little moment and just annihilates him. And it's really fun to watch. 
Yeah. Uh, also, Faker does get taken down, by the way, in 2017. Uh, and in the years since, South Korea has fallen as the dominant country for league tournaments. There is more European and Chinese representation at Worlds, which has been a lot of fun to see because I guess we didn't really get into that. But it's really been like South Korea's game for several uh, years. And they still trash. <laughs> we talked about it uh, in our Warcraft yes. episode and St- our Starcraft episode specifically, but uh, South Korea actually had a history of watching like board game and chess tournaments on TV during like their post war years where they just needed programming. So like the no, built in, yeah, the built in audiences uh, and the innate understanding of a game player as a famous champion and as a career path was just like that that hurdle was already cleared as a culture for them. Yeah. Like go mm-hmm. is go is more popular there than chess is mm. or has ever been in any European. Yeah. Country. Yeah. And they like go celebrities have been a thing for uh-huh. a long time. And I, you know, they, they will broadcast that and they were very used to like a, uh, a nerdy guy who, you know, doesn't seem to have it, you know, any real charisma or anything like treating him like it was showing him the respect for the very niche skill that he has. Right. It's right. not, <laughs> not outlandish. Yeah, I mean, everybody remembers yeah. uh, infinite penis angel fucker suck the champion of go during. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, in recent years, Riot has been rolling out new games. Uh, the first of which was in 2019, a full decade after law was released. It's based in the very popular Dota spinoff game, Dota auto chess, which is a thing uh, I've definitely had been hearing about that burgeoning popularity, a mod of a mod of a mod. Uh, this game for riots version of it is team fight tactics, which uh, did actually, I believe has uh, seen a lot of popularity in 2020. 20 alone, they release a mobile version of the MOBA called League of Legends Wild Rift, then the collectible card game Legends of Runeterra, uh, Runeterra, and lastly, Valorant, uh, which is a free-to-play first-person hero shooter in line with Counter-Strike and uh, I'd say Overwatch as well. I'm probably a little more on the Counter-Strike side um, in terms of its intricacy and and just a lot of the design influence um, as well. The Still, the hope is that all these games will just draw the people back to their core game, League of Legends, since every game features heroes and the world from League. Uh, according to Jeff Jew, I think there are a lot of players out there who League of Legends is probably intimidating for. They got in late and they see that now there's 10 years of it. They see the eSport and they think it's way too late for me to play this game. But they can try one of the new games, uh, he said. And then after you've gotten into the characters and the lore, you might jump over to League of Legends. And play for the first time. So I think these new games are really adding entry points for players that have been interesting in the flavor and the lore of League of Legend, but uh, never had a chance to jump in. I don't know if that quite works. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess time will tell. Yeah, I think a lot of people tried League of Legends like once after they watched Arcane. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, I think Arcane has done probably more to bring people to League. Uh, Released on Netflix in late 2021, it has nine episodes uh, comprising its first season. The show was already in the works for a season two. It was produced by the French animation studio Fortiche and uh, had previously done, uh, that studio had previously done trailers for Riot. They also put out the series Rabbids Invasion for Netflix and Nickelodeon. The show expands greatly on the vague world built by Riot for League. League, most specifically the City of Progress, pilot 
pilot over and the underground dystopian city Zon and all the characters that dwell within. I will say they did a really good job of capturing the general like our art direction of league it has that like painted i don't even know how to describe that quality that that league well, has it's sort of only like this- one of us was a accomplished cartoonist maybe they could help us describe it but <laughs> unfortunately all we have is andy stewart <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean yeah it's got that sort of painterly look that yeah um, is is very nice and they they're getting they've been doing incredible cinematics for years i mean the same way that like overwatch comes out with these cinematics and people are like why aren't you making movies mm-hmm. like that like that is somebody I don't know the story behind Arcane, but I believe that somebody who worked there like finally had the guts to just create a um like a pitch bible for it and like take it mm. to riot and say like please let us like think about making an actual show as opposed to mm. all this other stuff. But I mean there the lore has been building for years and years and years. You can go to the like I think it's universe.leagueoflegends.com and they have you know, as much lore as anything you could find on any D&D site oh, yeah. or anything like that. They've got, you know, dozens of short stories and cinematics and all kinds of Which stuff. Which it's kind of ironic because it definitely feels like the champions they design for mass appeal. Like they got your mm-hmm. edge lords, they got your big pauldron, like blizzard yeah. style dudes. You got your sexy <laughs> anime waifus. You got everything, it's, it's you know, it's funny. as long as one design resonates with someone you're in, you get that skins yeah. they're going to buy. That's merch. They're going to buy. It's funny because they have to, what they, the, the initial premise of the game was that you, you know, these people can come from any kind of setting. It doesn't have to be fantasy or steampunk or whatever. And then they had to, retroactively redesign everything to fit into a same world that wasn't stupid. <laughs> like, everything makes sense together, so you uh-huh. have very typical high fantasy magic characters alongside steampunk characters. Dudes with guns, robots. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, And then uh, finding a way to do that. They they did a good job, though. I, I'm, as much as I hate the game, I'm a huge fan of <laughs> the, the world building. They got me to accept that a magical fox girl, a ninja, a demon, <laughs> and a uh, paladin can all be in a girl K-pop group together. So, like, that's, right. I believe that. So that it's works. Like alternate universes. Yeah. Like, the, the, the skin yeah. lines are alternate universes, and they do entire events based around these alternate universes, most, most particularly K-pop. <laughs> and, like... Yeah. Like, you know, anime waifu kind of stuff, just because that obviously sells. But, Star Guardian brand I mean, when? When, I said. <laughs> I really like the Star Guardian stuff, and I'm not the target audience for that. It's it's uh, it's catchy. It looks good. I thought Arcane was pretty cool. So I would say check yeah. that out if you're curious about the League thing, uh, but maybe don't quite want to uh, download the <laughs> free-to-play game. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely check out Arcane. I think it's like really well done, really well crafted, really fun action sequences and stuff like that. Um, and that's about all I got in my notes. Jake, Andy, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Don't don't play League of Legends. <laughs> that's what the other people have played and said to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a bad, it's a bad <laughs> game. It's not worth getting into. Uh, play play Team Fight Tactics. It's a lot. Of fun. Oh, okay. All right, check that out. If like all the stuff we've talked about about the intensity of the game, the just variety of champions, and just the weird, almost like convoluted, organic way that this in all these mechanics have evolved. I honestly enjoyed what they did with Wild Rift on mobile. 
Uh, it really kind of, you know, instead of a 40 minute commitment, it's usually a 22 minute commitment. Uh, they actually have a very robust uh, tutorial where they actually explain how each role works and how each kind of thing relates to one another. And it definitely got me further along to wrapping my head around this entire system than the base game did on PC. That's an interest like that's a whole separate thing that I won't get into, but it's like it's very interesting how those roles were established. Like they yeah. those roles didn't exist when the game came out. It was a product of the best players coming up with winning strategies. Mm. And then once they realized the way in which those roles created a very fun you know, sports-like dynamic, uh, League leaned into it because people tried to break that mold intentionally. They were like, we're going to counterplay against this basic strategy that people have set up and find new ways to set up the team. We're going to send two people top. We're going to have two junglers, stuff like that. And Riot said no and rebalanced mm-hmm. the entire game mm-hmm. around making sure that that couldn't That's what killed Overwatch oh, okay. is like these dominant strategies yeah, would just totally. completely suck the fun out of the game because there was just yep. no way. Like once you found the magic formula, yep. it was just that was it. That was the only way to play. Oh, I yeah. miss those chaotic early days of Overwatch. So fun. <laughs> so crazy. Well, uh, yeah, awesome. I uh, This was a lot of fun. I feel like I finally cracked a little bit. I'm just glad. My takeaway is like I feel like I can finally watch these like insanely popular world tournament productions and 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 actually you know actually generally basically follow the what is happening i think that is that is it's not a ton but it's enough Uh, and also i'll never play it don't worry jake um uh anything for you from that you took away from misfortune's cute i hope she shoots me in the face with her dual (laughs) blunderbusses or there you have it thank you so much for joining us for our league of legends episode andy anything you want to promote oh gosh uh, I'm just—I'm really happy to not be talking about furries right now. So, uh, <laughs> listen, if that's, this, this is your burden. You drew the cute wolves. You knew what would yeah, happen. I—I I, I specifically asked you to introduce me as King of the Furries. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, you know, I've just been grinning and bearing it since then. Uh, comic. Yeah. That's awesome. It. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Andy. Uh, really helpful because we're a couple of league morons. So this was great. Um, check us out. Uh, check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenator Zoe, Monday, Tuesday, Friday streams. Also, patreon.com forward slash Wizbrew. Uh, if you'd like to support us further, weekly bonus episodes for just $5 a month. And at $15 a month, you can join us for our Sunday study sessions over on our Discord. This past week, we watched a lot of league highlights, watched really a lot of rage highlight clips definitely look up Tyler one uh, rage Tilted. compilation it is uh, very fun to watch that muscle head little dude freak the fuck hey, out he made challenger in all six roles he put the work in there you go he did it he got it done uh, and uh, Jake really got to press the flesh on that Patreon it is the best way to support the podcast and keep this train a chug a chug a chugging uh, study sessions always a fun time uh, you can follow me on Twitter at best Jake Young uh, read all my thoughts and plops and get little nuggets of research from throughout the week and uh, follow me on twitch.tv slash puppet Jared it's my VTuber channel I'm a little purple guy and we watch weird bad cartoons on Thursdays we call it the cartoon dumpster it's a very good time in fact uh, look for the VOD I'm actually going to interview the creator of Gem Christy Marks this week. Um, I'm very excited. That's for so that. cool. So yeah, if you like cartoons and you like me screaming about stuff, check out Thursday 7 p.m. on Twitch.tv/slash Puppet Jared. 
the cartoon dumpster. And hey, always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. Am I not supposed to do that now? You're fine. I'll, I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first podcast. Put this in the very end, April. I'm just thrilled to be talking about anything other than furries right now. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.